Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the TELUS 2021 Q4 Earnings Conference Call. I would like to introduce your speaker, Mr. Robert Mitchell. Please go ahead. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. Our fourth quarter 2021 results news release, MD&A and financial statements, and detailed supplemental information were posted on our website this morning at telus.com investors. On our call today, we will have remarks by Darren Entwistle, President and CEO, Zainal Mauji, EVP and President, Home Solutions and Customer Excellence, Doug French, EVP and CFO. In addition, for the Q&A portion of our call, we will be joined by Jim Senko, EVP and President, Mobility Solutions, Navin Aurora, EVP, President of Business Solutions, Tony Guerin, EVP and Chief Operations Officer. Briefly on slide two, this presentation and answers to questions contain forward-looking statements that are subject to risks and uncertainties and made based on certain assumptions. Accordingly, actual performance could differ from statements made today, so we ask that you do not place undue reliance upon them. We disclaim any obligation to update forward-looking statements except as required by law, and we refer you to the risks and assumptions as outlined in our public disclosures, including our fourth quarter and annual 2021 MD&A and filings with Securities Commissions in Canada and the U.S. With that, over to you, Darren. Thanks, Ronaldo, and hello, everyone. Throughout 2021, TELUS again achieved strong operational and financial results across our business. This is a trend the TELUS team has demonstrated over the longer term, and in 2021 was once again successfully realized against the backdrop of an unprecedented operating environment. Our performance in the fourth quarter and for the full year was characterized by our hallmark combination of robust, high quality, and profitable customer growth across our diverse portfolio of products alongside complemented by strong financial results. The fourth quarter concluded another year of industry-leading customer growth with 960,000 total annual net customer additions representing our best result on record for TELUS. This included yet another year of leading and best ever wireline customer growth of 255,000, reflecting the potency of our expansive pure fiber network and its inherent capabilities. Our industry-leading customer growth was driven by our team's passion for delivering outstanding customer experiences. This once again contributed to strong client loyalty across our key product lines, including blended mobile phone, internet, optic TV, security, and voice churn, which were all below 1% again in 2021. For the full year, consolidated revenue and EBITDA growth of 9% and 6.4% respectively was in line with our targets for 2021. Furthermore, we achieved strong free cash flow for the year, slightly ahead of our guidance as updated in May to reflect our accelerated broadband expansion program. This robust performance continues to be driven by consistent operational execution leading product offerings, and client service excellence, bolstered by continued strong operating momentum in TELUS International, TELUS Health, and TELUS Agriculture. Impressively, looking at our two-year performance from 2019 to 2021 through the pandemic period, our total revenue and EBITDA growth of close to 18% and 7% respectively, as well as our more than 1.7 million net new total customer additions represented industry-leading performance by a notable margin. Turning to our fourth quarter, industry-leading total mobile and fixed customer growth of 272,000 represented our best fourth quarter on record and increased by 19,000 over this time last year. This was driven by robust customer demand for our superior bundled offerings and our leading customer loyalty. 
we achieved strong fourth quarter consolidated operating revenue and EBITDA growth of 10% and 7.6% respectively. Again, comparing the fourth quarter of 2021 with that of 2019 prior to the pandemic, total revenue and EBITDA grew by 26% and 7.4% respectively. Let's turn now and take a look at our mobile operating results. TELUS achieved industry-leading customer growth of 193,000 net additions, up 10% on a year-over-year basis. This included 112,000 mobile phone net new customers, an increase of 25,000 over last year. Notably, this brings the sum total to an industry-leading 647,000 net new mobile phone subscribers achieved over the past two years. Importantly, our team yet again delivered another quarter of industry-best loyalty results, and this is the hallmark of the TELUS organization. Blended mobile phone churn was 1.04, a five-basis-point improvement from this time last year. Moreover, postpaid mobile phone churn of 0.74% for the year, a four-basis-point improvement over 2020, represented our eighth consecutive year of industry-leading postpaid churn, well below 1%. This performance is backed by our differentiated customers-first culture that has served us so very well and our highly engaged team delivering leading digital capabilities and superior service offerings over our world-leading broadband networks. What a difference that combination makes. More than ever, Canadians value a fast, reliable connection and the consistent recognition from independent third-party organizations such as U.S.-based UCLA reinforces the superiority of TELUS's world-leading wireless network. In January, UCLA ranked TELUS's mobile network as number one in North America and fastest in Canada for the ninth consecutive time as our team, including our engineers and network innovators, work passionately to keep Canadians connected to the people and the information that matter most. TELUS intends to extend this global leadership position as we advance the development, the coverage, and the commercialization of our 5G network and its inherent functionalities. This recognition from UCLA comes on the top of the multi-year accolades our world-leading wireless and pure fiber networks have consistently earned, earned for speed, reliability, user experience, and expansiveness from numerous other independent network reports, including UK-based OpenSignal, US-based PCMag and JD Power, and Canada's Tutela. We are proud of the many ways in which our global best wireless and pure fiber networks are driving economic growth, driving innovation, and creating jobs within our country. Moreover, our world-leading broadband networks and technology are improving the lives of Canadians by enabling online healthcare, online education, and teleworking flexibility during the pandemic. Furthermore, they are accelerating Canada's digital economy and digital society for heightened productivity, better competitiveness, and better human welfare outcomes in the post-pandemic period. Finally, our broadband technology is supporting critical transformational change in respect of remediating the environmental state of our planet by bridging time and distance through technology virtualization. They're advancing agriculture efficiency and effectiveness and food quality production through better data analytics. And of course, our technology is bridging socioeconomic and geographic divides so that every member of our society has access to the technology and infrastructure that yields the opportunity for them to realize their full potential. These objectives for our economy and our society 
reflect TELUS's technology for good social purpose to progress the growth of skilled jobs, the physical and mental well-being of our citizens, and the uplifting of marginalized constituencies as embodied in our brand promise, let's make the future friendly for everyone. To close on mobile, fourth quarter ARPU was up 1% year over year, supported by higher roaming revenues, albeit below seasonal pre-pandemic levels, in addition to higher monthly recurring charges as a result of a greater mix of high-value customer additions delivered by the TELUS team. Alongside ongoing strength and customer expansion, this supported healthy mobile network revenue growth of 5% in the quarter. Notably, compared to the fourth quarter of 2019, or pre-pandemic levels, mobile network revenue increased by 4%, reflective of our consistent focus on high-quality customer growth and excellent customer base management. Let's turn now and take a look at our wireline operating results. TELUS delivered another quarter of robust wireline customer growth, which was yet again industry-leading. We achieved total fixed net additions of 79,000 for the quarter, which impressively represented our best fourth quarter wireline customer growth on record for the TELUS organization. This was powered by leading broadband customer experiences, inclusive of our unique bundles, over TELUS's superior pure fiber network. Indeed, our robust wireline customer growth continues to be enhanced by the significant investments we are making in fiber and 5G wireless technologies, including our important accelerated broadband expansion, which is progressing very nicely, thank you very much. Looking forward, these generational investments will fuel enhanced customer growth and operating efficiencies at the same time and drive positive cash flow benefits as we complete our expedited broadband build and retire our remaining copper infrastructure. In a minute, Daniel's going to have an opportunity to provide further commentary on our industry-leading fixed results, as well as our ongoing broadband expansion program. Now, let's make a segue and take a look at TELUS Health. Our team drove double-digit year-over-year health services revenue growth for both the quarter and the full year 2021. Moreover, we achieved important milestones along the way as we continue to meaningfully scale our health operations. These milestones include covering over 20 million lives with our healthcare programs, an increase of nearly 22% on a year-over-year basis. They include realizing more than 550 million digital health transactions in 2021 alone, and they include earning over 1 million new virtual healthcare members, representing a 65% increase over the prior year. Indeed, TELUS MyCare is now the number one virtual care brand in respect of familiarity and usage across all of the markets in which TELUS operates. We continue to leverage our leading position in healthcare technology solutions to deliver improved health outcomes for employees and citizens through access to better health information, which clearly has never been more critical within our societies. Furthermore, in TELUS Agriculture, through our team's ongoing efforts to integrate and grow this unique area for our company, we drove strong double-digit revenue growth across our three lines of business, namely agribusiness, food, beverage, and consumer packaged goods, and animal health. Indeed, our close to 7,000 customers located in 50 countries around the world, including six of the top 10 food and beverage suppliers and nine of the top 10 agriculture companies globally are making a meaningful difference in scaling our operations 
and leading the way from a market share perspective in the chosen markets that we serve. For 2021, we slightly exceeded our annual revenue objective with revenues in agriculture, including telecom connectivity, of over $400 million. This is illustrative of the significant value we are creating as the globally leading provider of agriculture technology solutions and data analytics. We look forward to expanding our disclosure with respect to agriculture for 2022 and beyond, which we are confident will reinforce the value and asset of consequence we are creating in this important area within the global dominion. Overall, fourth quarter operating revenue for our T-Tech segment increased by more than 6% on a year-over-year basis, whilst organic EBITDA was up over 7%. Doug's going to have an opportunity to provide further commentary on T-Tech performance in just a minute when we hear from Uncle Doug. Let's turn now and take a look at TELUS International. Earlier today, TI announced strong double-digit revenue and profitability growth for the fourth quarter, concluding their first year as a public company with impressive financial results that surpassed their financial targets for 2021. A good start in the post-IPO period. Continued robust results at TI, including the strong performance targets that they've set for themselves for 2022, demonstrate their consistent execution and position as a leading partner of choice for premier digital and cloud transformation experiences and IT services for its more than 600 clients on a global basis. These clients rely on TI's talented and engaged team, along with its deep end-to-end digital capabilities to deliver a superior customer experience, including a unique and unparalleled mix of content moderation and artificial intelligence capabilities. Doug's going to have an opportunity to also provide commentary on TELUS International shortly. To conclude, our team's ability to consistently drive strong and profitable customer growth and financial results for the long term on the back of our differentiated asset base our world-leading networks, and the unique growth drivers that our asset mix represents provides us with the confidence in delivering on the annual targets for 2022 that we've announced today that are best in class. This includes industry-leading operating revenue and EBITDA growth of 8 to 10%, alongside free cash flow growth of $1 to $1.2 billion dollars inclusive of the final year of our accelerated broadband investment program. These targets and their industry-leading revenue and EBITDA growth rates will be complemented by the double-digit revenue and EBITDA growth anticipated, anticipated at TELUS Health and TELUS Agriculture for 2022, as well as the robust guidance for 2022 that TI announced this morning with strong double-digit revenue and EBITDA growth for that organization. Notably, as compared to 2019, our targets for 2022 represent 25 to 27% revenue growth and 15 to 17% EBITDA growth versus the pre-pandemic period. That represents quite a forward-looking story for the TELUS organization, tremendous value creation, but also illustrates how strongly we navigated the pandemic period. Furthermore, the unparalleled skill, innovation, and grit of our team underpins our leading multi-year dividend growth program, which now quite unbelievably is in its 12th year. Since 2004, we've returned $21 billion to shareholders, including close to $16 billion in dividends, representing some $15 on a per share basis. Moreover, we look forward to updating you 
on the extension of our multi-year dividend growth program commencing in 2023 at our upcoming annual general meeting in May in a few months' time. Throughout 2021, our team demonstrated an unwavering dedication to leveraging our technology innovation in concert with human ingenuity to create positive outcomes in the global communities where we live, where we work, and where we serve. Indeed, in 2021 alone, our TELUS family volunteered over 1.3 million hours of service in our communities and gifted circa $90 million to charitable and community organizations as we strive to make the future friendly for all. I remain exceedingly grateful to the TELUS team for exemplifying our leadership in social capitalism as we deliver outstanding results for all stakeholders, not just our shareholders, but all stakeholders. And on that note, I'm going to hand the call over to Zay. Thank you, Darren. As our fourth quarter results demonstrate, our customers first strategy, world leading networks and superior product diversification across mobile and home continue to yield positive outcomes. We delivered record fourth quarter results with respect to fixed customer growth with an industry leading 79,000 net additions, bringing our full year result to a record high of 255,000. Notably, for the fourth quarter, this far exceeds the 46,000 we delivered in the pre-pandemic 2019 period. These results build on our track record of consistently delivering strong customer growth and are reflective of our strength across segments, inclusive of Naveen's team on the B2B front. Together, over the last two years, we have added an industry-leading 495,000 fixed customer additions including 306,000 internet customers, 105,000 TV net additions, and 165,000 security customers. The success of our whole home bundle, an unmatched package of differentiated products and services, is bolstered by Jim and his team's leading mobility performance and drives an average of over three products per household within our pure fiber footprint. In turn, this is leading to high brand affinity for our services and lower churn. As demonstrated in the 2021 annual CCTS report, customer complaints against TELUS were a fraction relative to our national peers, solidifying our number one ranking of the fewest customer complaints among national carriers for the 10th year in a row. This leadership showcases how our team puts our customers first at every opportunity, generating customer loyalty and building trust to further intensify our base. For the fourth quarter, internet net additions of 40,000 reflect the ongoing demand for our unparalleled TELUS Pure Fiber internet services across homes and businesses. We continue to drive robust TV attach rates with TV net additions totaling 18,000. Notably, due to our high content engagement, we remain the only provider in North America to consistently deliver positive TV growth. Customers continue to recognize the unique value of our flexible packaging, breadth and depth of content, and fully integrated over-the-top streaming. Residential voice net losses of 10,000 remain low and stable as we successfully leverage our expanding pure fiber footprint, bundled product offerings, and strong retention efforts to retain these high margin services. Our industry-leading security and automation net additions of 31,000 were up 8,000 over last year, reflecting the strength of our digital capabilities, innovations in virtual and do-it-yourself installations, and our capacity for acquiring and integrating new assets on a national basis post the acquisition of ADT Canada. The recent expansion of our home security and automation bundle to now include our cybersecurity solutions with TELUS Online Security further exemplifies the diversity of and potential for this product portfolio. 
As part of our accelerated broadband build, we connected 278,000 homes and businesses to our Pure Fiber network in 2021, ending the year covering more than 2.7 million premises to our globally leading broadband network. We also continued our rollout of Pure Fiber X, Canada's fastest internet speed tier, with upload and download speeds of 2.5 gigabits per second and the capability to deliver up to 10 gigabits per second on a cost-effective basis. More than half of our Pure Fiber footprint is now enabled with this latest technology, further advancing our network leadership position and speed advantage. To that end, we continue to successfully drive more households to tiers at or above one gigabit per second, achieving improved internet revenue accretion and paving the path for future service adoption. During the quarter, we migrated 36,000 copper customers to our Pure Fiber network, bringing our full-year migrations to nearly 140,000. At the end of 2021, only 11% of internet and TV customers within our Pure Fiber footprint remain serviced by copper. As we have shared previously, moving our copper customers to Pure Fiber improves customer lifetime value on several dimensions including an increase in product intensity of 25%, higher ARPU per home by nearly 15%, and a churn profile that is 25% lower. Furthermore, Pure Fiber's higher reliability leads to a reduction of over 60% in truck rolls and lower call center volumes, along with improved self-provisioning and troubleshooting. Our differentiated products and services truly set us apart relative to our peers. In consumer health, we continue to drive growth through Telehealth MyCare and Living Well Companion, providing critical virtual care to Canadians for their primary care, mental health, allied health, and personal emergency response services, respectively. Our service quality ratings are consistently rated at 4.9 out of 5 by our patients, and we continue to expand our service offering, now including digital pharmacy. As we progress through 2022, we will drive further growth through our superior bundling, we will ramp our digitization efforts, and transform our service platforms to drive cost improvements. Backed by the efficacy of our Pure Fiber network and our team's passionate focus on putting customers first, we are well positioned to continue achieving positive financial outcomes, including higher margins and cash flow this year and beyond. <clears throat> With that, I'll pass it over to you, Doug, for additional insight into our financial results. Thank you, Zainal, and hello, everyone. Our Q4 results extend our proven track record of leading financial and operational results led by smart, strategic growth initiatives and our strong and consistent execution. In December, we successfully completed the sale of the financial services business for $500 million. This amount is not included in our operating revenue or adjusted EBITDA. It is in the other income line. In the quarter, we continue to see growth coming from all our business areas. Mobile network revenue growth improved sequentially for the sixth consecutive quarter increasing by 5% compared to 3.7 in Q3. This network revenue res result included a 27 million year-over-year -year increase in roaming revenue as travel activity increased. Roaming revenue exited the year just below 70% of pre-pandemic levels and assuming trends related, uh, travel trends related into the future, we anticipate a recovery gradually throughout 2022. As we continue to see the strong adoption of unlimited data plans, overage charges have now declined and, uh, and data overage represents only less than 2% of mobile ARPU. The strong adoption of our unlimited data plans has driven increased customer satisfaction as well as lower calls to our call center, fewer bill credits, and that is leading to a benefit in our direct mobile contribution which improved by 120 basis points in Q4. On the fixed side of our business, data revenue growth was above 10% for the sixth quarter in a row, 
with Q4 growth coming in close to 12% and up 26% over Q4 2019. Underlying this result, residential internet revenue grew an impressive 20% year over year, driven by double digit growth in residential internet ARPU and continued market share gains. Notably, we also continue to see good traction on our B2B front and drove positive consolidated consolidated B2B EBITDA growth on a year-over-year basis for both the year and the quarter. This positive trend sets us up for strong momentum going into 2022 as Naveen and his team continue to look to, uh, to build and accelerate our B2B growth, including the monetization of 5G. Overall, TTAC adjusted EBITDA came in at 6.7% in Q4, and organic growth was at 7.3%. TELUS International continued to drive impressive operating momentum with double-digit revenue and adjusted EBITDA growth for both the quarter and the year. DLCX uh, growth was driven by TI's industry verticals and particularly strong growth from tech and games, e-commerce, and fintech, including double-digit growth from services to TELUS. Our Q4 results bring our annual performance within our guidance ranges for both revenue and EBITDA, despite a dynamic operating environment. Free cash flow also finished ahead of our year-end guidance as we executed on our capital acceleration plans, effectively managing COA and COR with valuable and profitable loading and retention, while continuing to increase our copper to fiber migrations and digitize effort, digitization efforts leading to improved cost structure. Looking ahead, we announced robust uh, consolidated targets today with an operating revenue and adjusted EBITDA growth of 8 to 10%. Notably, these leading 2022 targets are driven by organic growth of all product areas, including the growth in health and ag, effective cost management as we focus on profitable loading, and a consistent strategy that we have followed for many years. While we continue to drive economically accretive loading across all our products, backed by expanding our pure fiber and 5G networks, which will support positive financial incomes, outcomes, and sustainable free cash flow. With COVID restrictions being present for the significant part of Q1 2022, Q1 will have a lot of the same pandemic impacts of the second quarter of 2021. We anticipate our growth profile to steady improve Uh, subsequent to Q1 2022, aligning with our expectations of the economic recovery. Notably, when we compared 2019, our guidance implies, as Darren highlighted, pre-pandemic levels of 27% operating growth and 17% adjusted EBITDA growth. Impressively, since 2019 through to the end of 2022, we anticipate to generate cumulative EBITDA growth of almost a billion dollars. This industry-leading result is attributable to our strong operational execution, delivering on our strategic initiatives, and the quality of our asset mix. Furthermore, the more than 1.7 million customer additions that we have added over the past two years demonstrates the significant economic value created for our stakeholders, supporting future strong revenue and EBITDA expansion. For 2022, we are targeting free cash flow of up to 1.2 billion, representing a potential increase of more than 400 million. Included in free cash flow, we have our uh, 2022 accelerated capital spend of 750 to 790 million that is the remaining amount of our 1.5 billion acceleration. In in addition, we expect handset investments to increase with upgrades that were deferred during the pandemic. Our free cash flow outlook includes anticipated capital expenditures of $3.4 billion, a slight decline relative to 2021, while still delivering all of our original operational targets. Importantly, we remain committed to CapEx moderating to a baseline of $2.5 billion or less beginning in 2023. Detailed assumptions of our 22 targets can be found in Section 9.3 of our posted MDNA. Our balance sheet remains very healthy heading into 2022, including available liquidity of over $2 billion, while our net debt to EBITDA ratio ended the year at 3.17x, down from 3.45 one year earlier. 
Excluding the impact of spectrum license fees since 2019, our EBITDA leverage ratio would have been 2.68. With regards to our leverage, we remain committed to investment grade credit ratings, and we are confident that our outlook combined with the 2023 significant decline in our capital expenditures will uh, hit those targets. I look forward to continuing our strong operating momentum and, like, and further advancing our leadership growth in 2022. Robert, back to you. Thanks, Doug. Mihai, uh, can we proceed with questions, please? Yes, of course. Uh, first question comes from Jérôme Dubreuil from Desjardins. Please uh, go ahead. Hi, thanks for uh, for taking my questions, uh, too, for me, if I may. Um, first, Doug, you mentioned uh, that overage was now approximately 2% of, uh, of ARPU. Uh, that, that's in the context of uh, heavily uh, limited uh, uh, data consumption. Uh, do you think we, we could expect this uh, to be bottoming uh, approximately at this level, or you think there's there's more to go with the transition to unlimited? And then a second question uh, would be the rationale for selling the financial solution uh, business. Uh, you know, you're, you're in tech. Uh, is this uh, not something you wanted to pursue uh, or different, different competitive environment? Uh, so if you can provide context on that, please. So we'll let uh, Doug handle the second question uh, first, uh, and then we'll hand it over to Jim for uh, commentary. So we've continued to look at our uh, maximizing the value of all of our asset base. Um, so we've talked numerous times about our copper to fiber migrations and how we can monetize real estate in the long term. We looked at the financial services area um, and it has great potential, um, but it's not core to us. Um, and so we found it was a perfect win-win as a uh, opportunity for the purchaser and for us to um, remain our focus in our strategic areas of health, ag, and, and uh, TI. Uh, and so uh, uh, that's why the sale happened, and we will continue to use those resources uh, to invest in our, our uh, strategic, growth, strategic growth areas. I think uh, an interesting stat as well uh, on that, if you look at that asset that came to tell us via the acquisition of Emerges back in 2008, if you look at the proceeds from the financial services disposition, uh, plus the EBITDA that we've been able to secure um, uh, over the past uh, years, uh, we effectively got the Emerges Health business for free. Uh, and I think that's smart financial management and a good concentration of our strategy uh, on the growth opportunity going forward uh, within the health area. And then the other thing that I think is important is that we've retained a commercial relationship uh, with that asset. So, you know, we can uh, provide them with TELUS's services that supports what they want to do on the financial services uh, front. So there'll be a legacy commercial relationship that will continue on. Jim, over to you. Yeah, look, our, our TELUS brand unlimited mix increased significantly year over year, up 34%. And the majority of our TELUS brand is now on unlimited. I think where you see data overage is still in the flanker space. Um, but more and more of our Kudo customers are migrating up to TELUS, which is, which is great news. And I think you got to get back to, you know, we continue to see benefits from the consistent high-quality customer additions, which is uh, moving that mix to unlimited. And then our base management activities have really been minimizing the volatility around our rate plan changes. And so feeling really strong um, about where our ARPU is and, you know, I look at the um, remaining 2% in the flanker space as a huge opportunity to drive uh, upsell um, and, um, and, you know, move customers to, towards unlimited, especially with 5G uh, device lifecycle coming through, and, and that's a real opportunity for driving that upsell. Next question, please. Thank you. All right, next question comes from Drew McReynolds from uh, RBC. Please go ahead, Drew. Yeah, thanks very much. Uh, and uh, obviously, um, congrats on uh, the results and, and the outlook. Uh, it certainly exceeded my expectations. Um, a couple for me. 
maybe just starting uh, with you, Doug, on the guidance. Um, thanks for the additional granularity just in terms of COVID impacts. Um, just remind us just kind of where the, where the pockets of, of headwinds are uh, lingering here for you um, in 2022. Um, and then second question maybe for you, Zainal, on uh, the multi-gig kind of symmetrical household uh, for internet. Can you give us a little uh, sense of, you know, really what the demand or how the demand for that is evolving, um, you know, within your fiber footprint? Uh, uh, you know, what what do you see in terms of adoption and, and penetration of just the, the multi-gig and, and the importance that households put on the symmetrical side? And then lastly, uh, just uh, could you give us an update maybe for you, Doug, uh, just where you are with respect to assessing uh, strategic uh, scenarios or options for TELUS Health and, and TELUS Ag. Thank you. Okay, Doug, why don't you uh, kick it off and then uh, over to, to Zainal. Thank you. So on the uh, headwinds, uh, obviously roaming is going to be the, the largest um, as, we, as we look into 2022. And the speed of uh, recovery of way that may happen. Uh, we have highlighted that with a lot of the lockdowns in, in the first quarter, um, that uh, roaming has fallen off a little bit from the trends we saw in the fourth quarter. So you'll see that, that pressure out of the gate, but we believe it'll rebound as the year progresses. Um, the, the flow through impacts to healthcare and some of the transactional services um, have been a bit of a headwind with COVID, but are improving um, substantially as the year ended. We haven't seen uh, that slow down a lot with the recent, um, the recent changes, but it is a potential. Um, and then probably the last one being business, and business is always going to be more volatile with depending on the recovery plan. Um, Naveen has a lot, and maybe we can ask Naveen to top up in a moment, um, but Naveen has a lot of plans on how we will actually turn biz and keep the momentum that we currently have in biz to, to overcome any of those headwinds. Uh, on the health and ag one um, and our future potential, we'll continue to assess it and, and uh, uh, we'll bring back to you that when the timing is right, um, but you know, the, what we're gonna continue is build assets of consequence uh, and any, any partner, uh, any IPO, um, any timing around that will be a win for ourselves, a win for the organization to, to drive it further. Um, and it'll be strategic, um, not financial. We make that decision. Dana, you want to go ahead? Sure, absolutely, Drew. Thanks for the question. So I'll, I think you had sort of a two-part question: one on you know the adoption of 2.5 and the Pure Fiber X, as well as what we're seeing in terms of upside on uh, one gig and beyond. So I'll, I'll address those two. Essentially, Drew, one of the things to, to think about is we've always made really smart cap, capacity investments in our network, and so the, the Pure Fiber X has certainly provided uh, that speed advantage and the halo product of the 2.5 and beyond opportunity, but it's also uh, driven by some capacity upgrades that we needed to do. So we're future-proofing our network, um, and we're doing it on the back of being able to provide incremental speed tiers. In terms of the take rate, Doug highlighted the revenue growth that we've uh, enjoyed on the internet front, particularly on residential. And what I would say there is that we still have a, 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 a proportion of our customers that are not taking one gig, but a higher mix of our new loads that are, are trending to take one gig and more. So we have a ton of upside potential as we push customers up the curve in terms of taking those higher speed tiers. And in terms of customer demand for symmetry, we've seen that, I would say, explode through the pandemic. Um, in the context of prior to the pandemic, I don't think a lot of customers would have recognized we were putting a lot of work into educating customers on the benefits of symmetry, the capabilities of pure fiber. But now that's a recognized benefit and it's a valued benefit to pull customers into the pure fiber footprint. Um, so we're seeing a lot of customers recognize and want the, the, the value of pure fiber in terms of the capacity to have multiple streams in their household, multiple video conferences, and of course with our uh, security services, multiple video feeds as well. 
So we see that demand continue to, continuing to increase, and we see the value potential and upside potential as very high. Drew, just uh, on the health front, um, and I've said this before, but I can't emphasize it enough, you can really draw inference from the model that we followed on TI uh, as to what the future portends as it relates to both TELUS Health uh, and TELUS Agriculture. The next thing is, this is very much front of mind in the here and now for us in terms of that future and how we cultivate uh, the optionality. And maybe just some elements that might be helpful to you. If we were going to do something with those businesses in the future, our desire, of course, similar to TI, would be to establish a transaction cur currency in servitude to the strategy. And the better the transaction currency, the better the addressable market of opportunities that we have. If we're going to get a great transaction currency, that's going to be down to the multi-year track record that we develop in advance in terms of double-digit revenue, EBITDA, and cash flow growth for those assets. Secondly, we want to focus on scale. These assets have to be meaningful uh, for us, what we call a TELUS asset uh, of consequence. And uh, creating uh, that, that largesse is something that's very much uh, front of mind for us. Uh, we are, and I highlighted this in my comments, we are pursuing market leadership. Uh, we don't want to be a player. Uh, we want to be the market leader uh, in the select markets on, on health uh, and ag. Uh, and we want to do that both domestically uh, and prospectively uh, at the international level. And, of course, uh, we're already with a foot in that camp uh, on the ag front. And then the last thing that you can uh, expect uh, from us is we're going to bring our customer service excellence game uh, to bear uh, that has helped our core business so very much. And then every tech move that we make, when we think about fiber, 5G, uh, our digital uh, leadership, uh, our cloud transformation, and then the fact that we've evolved to being a broadband software as a service uh, company, that particular paradigm is going to be inculcated uh, within the thesis for health and ag because they're going to be data analytic uh, businesses. Um, and then the other element that you can watch for is how we leverage the TI asset to support the growth of health and ag given the ambitions that I've just laid out. But this is but very much for us here and now. We're thinking about a day in and day out because the results that we generate now set up a great transaction currency tomorrow because that's what the valuation is going to be predicated upon, including as well, of obviously, the future uh, earnings potential as well. Got it. Uh, great color, and uh, thanks very much uh, to, to all. Great. Thanks, Drew. Mihai, next question, please. Next question comes from Jeff Fan from Scotiabank. Please go ahead, Jeff. Thank you. Um, good morning, everyone. Um, just to follow up first on Doug's comment about the guidance for free cash flow for 2022, um, Doug, I think you mentioned um, some spending related to handsets and handset investments. I just wanted to see if you can elaborate on that a little bit. Um, as to whether there's it's just volume driven purely or if there's some assumption regarding competition around handset subsidies. Um, the second question is around the, the 5G ecosystem. Um, I think, Darren, you've talked a lot about uh, commercialization of, of new 5G applications as a, as a long runway and opportunity. Just wondering... Um, if you can give us an update as to how you see 2022 progressing on that front and if there is any contribution, I guess, in, in revenue uh, related to the 5G new applications in your 2022 guidance. Thanks. Doug, go ahead. So Thanks, on, the, Jeff. on the cash flow line, um, when you think through the last couple of years, um, digitization was a significant uh, opportunity and success for us. Um, there was a great mix of, um, call it, uh, contracted customers and BYOD, and there was also a lot of deferrals of um, business and consumer customers who just waited um, to, to upgrade um, and not do it on a digital environment. So everything that's included in our 2022 forecast is volume-related. Um, there is nothing built in to assume increased subsidy um, uh, beyond a normal market condition. Maybe I'll ask Naveen to comment on the commercialization um, in just a second. 
Um, you're quite right, Jeff. Uh, we've said repeatedly that 5G is a marathon, uh, not a sprint. Uh, in a lot of other jurisdictions, the expectations have been uh, overcooked, and I don't think that serves anyone particularly well. Um, for us, you know, as we deploy um, new spectrum, um, new technology, and develop uh, the right product services uh, and applications for commercialization, uh, that takes time. Uh, particularly, you know, given this is a B2B uh, opportunity that we're pushing. Uh, I would note that atypically uh, at TELUS versus, you know, other companies around the world, you know, we're progressing into 5G from a position of superior strength uh, as it relates to uh, both our 4G uh, LTE network uh, and its performance relative to 5G operators in other jurisdictions, as well as the fact that uh, our wireless network technology is complemented by our pure fiber network uh, that underpins it, and of course, leveraging the network sharing uh, agreement that we have in place uh, with our partner uh, helps everything in terms of deployment, uh, the competitiveness of our functionality and the cost efficiency uh, of putting the 5G uh, infrastructure in place. Um, but I do believe that this is gonna be meaningful for this uh, organization. Uh, it's not hugely material uh, in our 22 uh, results beyond the CapEx that we're spending uh, to enable it. Um, you know, we're going to be pushing up, um, you know, over 80% coverage uh, on our 5G footprint uh, by the time uh, 2022 uh, finishes off. Uh, we'll be operationalizing uh, our mid-band uh, spectrum, uh, and we will have our standalone 5G network uh, operational by the midpoint uh, of the year. Uh, clearly, the focus, you know, for us, um, you know, as you've got smartphone ubiquity leveraging 5G network uh, connectivity um, is to be, you know, smart um, creators uh, of data usage. Uh, the machine-to-machine -machine, uh, opportunity within the IoT world uh, is huge, um, and uh, we are excited by it. And as you know, uh, it has particularly pertinent applications um, in verticals that are key uh, to us, uh, whether uh, it's logistics, the manufacturing, or ag and, and healthcare um, are, are pretty exciting. And of course, it's not just the data flows and the bandwidth, it's the data analytics uh, that you can monetize uh, as well uh, along the way. Uh, and we are excited by what that's going to do to support ARPU amelioration in the years ahead, as well as the fact that the cost curve on 5G uh, should support the margin strength of the wireless business. So I'll hand it over to, to Naveen to give you a flavor of what we're thinking about from a commercialization uh, point of view. Um, as it relates to uh, our product portfolio and the market opportunities that we're seeking to address. Yeah, thanks uh, very much, uh, Darren, and uh, thanks for the question, uh, Jeff. Uh, so I would, uh, I would start uh, by reiterating Darren's point that uh, 5G and, and IoT is, uh, is a marathon, definitely not a sprint, and we're quite bullish on our plans to commercialize 5G and IoT and, and a big part of our return to growth uh, in B2B overall is our ability to outrun declining parts of our business with next generation growth capabilities and uh, we feel confident that we can continue to accelerate uh, that growth in 2022 and beyond. Uh, we believe 5G and IoT will be a significant, significant part of that continued accelerated growth along with other key uh, fixed and wireless uh, next generation services. And our plan to commercialize 5G uh, includes a, a few components. So of course, uh, fixed wireless uh, solutions, uh, monetizing mobile edge uh, computing as well as uh, network slicing capabilities. Uh, we'll also be enabling uh, key vertical solutions. You heard uh, Darren just speak about uh, agriculture and health. Uh, another key vertical is smart cities, uh, where you may have seen our uh, press release from yesterday around uh, the ecosystem that we're creating for uh, municipalities in partnership with uh, Google and, and, and NXN. Uh, there will also be a number of horizontal capabilities that will be uh, commercializing. So uh, one example is transportation. Uh, our recent General Motors strategic partnership being uh, a great uh, use case of uh, what we're doing there. Uh, and in terms of IoT, we expect growth in terms of not only connections, but also 
uh, ARPU growth as we will uh, see industry shifting onto 5G networks as uh, chipsets and device availability improves uh, and a number of the OEMs start embedding uh, those newer 5G chipsets into their equipment. Um, in addition, given uh, the high quality and large volume of data that will come from the combination of uh, our networks, both uh, you know 5G as well as uh, fixed broadband networks, uh, uh, services and overall industry um, uh, solutions and, and the ecosystem associated. Uh, we'll also see acceleration in our ability to add value uh, to this data uh, and monetize it. And you know, Darren mentioned the importance of data in, in ag and health and the combination adjacencies of, of our overall B2B data across those verticals will be uh, uh, a very important component of our go-forward uh, commercialization plans. Um, I, I, I would uh, end by saying that uh, uh, all of this bodes well for strong growth in 5G and IoT devices, uh, data usage and industry solution value-add use cases uh, in the coming years, not only for our net new customers, but as Darren said, uh, we have a very strong foundation of uh, IoT subscribers that uh, we can uh, build off of and, and grow from. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks, Jeff. Next question, please, Mihai. Of course. Uh, next question comes from Vince Valentini from uh, TD Securities. Please go ahead. Yeah, thanks very much. Uh, I want to stick with the, the handset comment you made, Doug, for a second. Appreciate the color on uh, it just being volume-related that you're expecting. But just to make sure we have the quantum right within your guidance, it, it looks like it's about a two to $300 million impact if we triangulate your free cash flow guidance versus the EBITDA and CapEx and interest and other and cash tax guidance you've, you've provided. I want to make sure if that, that sounds right, or is there, is there some other working capital usage that accounts for the delta uh, in the free cash flow other than just handset volumes. Um, second, just clarification from you is, I want to make sure you just understand when you're saying 7.3% organic EBITDA growth for T-Tech versus 6.7 reported, what are you adjusting for? Is that just the financial services um, business that you that you sold or is there something else? And then a uh, third last question, um, maybe for Zanel or Doug, you can take it. Um, I want to make, just make sure I have this math right on the fiber um, program you're disclosing. So if you have, 1.3 million fiber subs on a footprint of 2.7 million homes that are now upgraded or, or premises upgraded, and 11% uh, of customers in those areas are still on copper. That implies 1.46 million total customers on that 2.7 million total footprint, or you know approximately 54%. Penetration. So I just want to make sure we're reading then, you know, triangulating the numbers you're disclosing to us uh, properly. Thank you. Okay, on the on the free cash flow one, uh, there is some other small items in there. Uh, I'd say uh, um, when you include uh, cash taxes and other items, but I would say they are less than uh, less than 100 million. Uh, so your reconciliation is uh, directionally um, reflective. Uh, on your second question, um, no, it's not uh, the uh, TFS sale um, that, that organic is. Uh, we actually have made some investments, particularly in our virtual platforms for healthcare that have required some investment initially uh, that are paying off very, uh, very shortly into the future, um, but we drive a lot of synergies with our product sets. So it is actually, actually the other acquisitions that have been a little bit dilutive out of the gate and the J-curve investment leading to that longer-term uh, integrated strategy. So uh, TFS, that is not an impact at all. Dana? Thanks for the question, Vince. So I think, I think the challenge on the fiber footprint and comparing that with copper is that as we continue to build out the fiber footprint, whenever it's a new footprint, we're of course in a um, lower state of both penetration organically as, where, as well as in a lower percentage of copper to fiber migrations for that uh, respect, respective new footprint. So 
in addition to that, the numbers that you've quoted, we've quoted in terms of our footprint, uh, represent both business and consumer uh, connection and capability. And we look at that on a premise basis. And then to look at, uh, you know, to try and triangulate back, that back to a share or penetration view, you know, there's, a, there's several things in terms of, you know, is that footprint actually occupied? Um, and then what's the rate of growth of occupation and penetration of the overall internet service? So, so it's not a clear triangulation, but I think what you can deduce from all of the, the, the disclosures that we've provided is, you know, we're continuing to grow the footprint we're continuing to penetrate the footprint both organically in terms of net new additions as well as in the copper to fiber migrations. And we're doing that at a very aggressive pace. And we are making commitments on ensuring that we get, you know, to a closure on that base by the end of the year. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, Vince. Mihai, we have time for one more question, please. Right. Uh, next uh, question comes from Simon Flannery from uh, Morgan Stanley. Please go ahead, Simon. Great. Thank you very much. Um, thanks for fitting me in. It was good to see that your uh, margin, your EBITDA guidance is pretty consistent with your revenue growth guidance for 2022. I think it, it, you know, we're, we're getting a lot of questions on, it, on inflation. You obviously flagged supply chain around inventory. So perhaps just talk us about how, how you're managing costs and how you're ensuring that you're able to keep fairly stable margins in the businesses uh, and, and what, what's happening with inflation in, in your various segments. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Simon. Uh, there's a couple items there. Um, we are definitely have worked through a lot of our supply chain to get multi-year commitments uh, and ensure that we're getting um, the supply we need for a lot of the most essential services. But you are right, there are pressures uh, coming in on call it the more variable supply chain that everyone's going to have on an annual basis. All the initiatives that we've been talking about in our capital acceleration from copper to fiber migrations to uh, the digitization investments to the simplification programs that we've done with our customers is, is going the other direction and driving efficiency and effective throughout our business. Uh, so we're continuing to say offset and mitigate some of those ex external pressures with our internal uh, operational excellence, uh, and that is how we're keeping the, the margins uh, flat to improving over time. Okay, and any color on supply chain easing over the course of the year and better handset supply? Yeah, um, Q4 was uh, was an interesting quarter. It was quite competitive. You know, you, we saw uh, much more rate-based promotional activity from the flanker competitors due to some inventory constraints. On, on our side, um, you know, we've weathered the storm very, very well. Our investments in digital, our investments in omni-channel capabilities enable us to optimize uh, our inventory across channels. We weren't stranding inventory uh, in, in, you know, our store footprint, and we could get our inventory to the customers um, and, and maximize the supply that we had. Additionally, our investments on CPO and mobile clinic played a really key role in providing additional device supply, which we which we benefited from. So, we we felt you know we felt really really good in terms of those investments put us probably in a in a very good spot in managing the ups and down on the inventory, um, and then we're driving um, better also better mix and financial outcomes from that. Thank you. Thanks, Simon. Uh, Darren, over to you for our closing remarks. In the vein of trying to be helpful for um, investors and the analyst community, I'd like to postulate a three-part uh, model, uh, which I would recommend be the model that you use to uh, assess uh, our business over the next three to five uh, years. Um, so module one um, within that construct uh, would be uh, our ability to leverage the significant momentum uh, that we have created uh, within our FFH and mobility business, both individually uh, and collectively, and certainly you've seen that in our results, and I think that bodes well, that momentum uh, for the future. Second component would be our B2B profit resurrection strategy uh, so that we get an accretive profitable contribution, uh, not just as it relates to 22 on the momentum front, 
uh, but thereafter on the B2B front. And that's been something absent from the Telus story for the past uh, six years. The other component of Module 1 would be uh, our leadership on technology. Uh, clearly, you know, for us, uh, what we've been able to do uh, on fiber, um, what we've been able to do on 3G, 4G, and now 5G, uh, as well as our leadership position uh, on digital, uh, is making a huge uh, difference in terms of the competitive advantage. And when you combine that with the next element, which is our customers first service excellence culture uh, at our organization, uh, yielding uh, retention scores with customers that are global best, uh, you have a lifetime value creation, be it wireline or wireless, that frankly is is unsurpassed. Uh, and then the last component of, of module one uh, is cost reduction, cost reduction, cost reduction. Um, we need to do it to fund uh, our business, um, and we need to exact cost efficiencies from our tech investments, um, from 5G and fiber uh, all the way through to digital. The second module um, um, is um, our ability to scale uh, and create value from TI, health, uh, and ag. Uh, and so, you know, it's a simple story. Um, we want to drive these business at scale, uh, and it's a valuation conversation um, where we're looking to build uh, significant value within that asset base um, and rinse and repeat on TI um, and follow the path of TI, whether it relates to health uh, or, or ag. Um, the third module um, is cash generation. And so, you know, it's, it's a story for us of quality EBITDA growth coming from modules one uh, and two, sustainable quality significant EBITDA growth coming from modules uh, one and two, um, uh, complemented by ameliorating capital appetites such that, we, you know, we get into a situation, um, a growing situation where the sources of cash uh, are chronically exceeding uh, the uses of cash. Um, uh, and that is a you know, fantastic combination uh, of modules one and two uh, in concert. And then, of course, the final element of module three is what do we do with that cash? Uh, and I think you know the answer to that question, um, which is returning it to shareholders. And so that's really the model for looking at our organization, not for next quarter, uh, but for the next three to five years across those three modules as to what you can expect from us uh, when it comes to value creation. Thank you, Darren, and thank you everyone for joining us today. Please feel free to reach out to the IR team with any follow-ups, and take care, everyone. Everyone, this concludes the TELUS 2021 Q4 Earnings Conference Call. Thank you for your participation, and uh, have a nice day. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.